welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we are presenting a Faith for All discussion podcast where random members of Cross of Glory discuss a topic we find interesting, spiritually uplifting, or generally important. Today's topic of discussion is Christian nationalism. Let's join the discussion. Hello, and welcome back to Faith for All podcast. Tonight we're doing another discussion podcast. This one is on Christian nationalism. So if we could go around the room and introduce ourselves. I'm Jennifer Berg. I've been coming here to Cross of Glory for a little under a year now. Um, I'm a mother of four, and I'm married, and I am a digital quality leader for a medical device company. I am Barb Tiesky. I've been at Cross of Glory for the better of 20 years, I think. That's a long time. How long have you been here? Um, 20 years. I, too, am a mother of four, but they're all grown, thank you. And I run a demolition company, also in the music ministry. Good evening, everybody. I'm Dennis Tanrakulu. Uh, I've been a member of Cross of Glory uh, since 1999, I believe. My wife and I, Jody, we've been coming here for that long. Started in the White Hen Pantry. We have two children, uh, Josh and Andy. Uh, Josh is married with a uh, with a grandson of ours down in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and a second one on the way. Uh, I too also play in the music ministry. Uh, have been for better part of twenty years. My name is Todd Mazera. I uh, have been attending a part of Cross of Glory since two thousand two, uh, so right around twenty one years. My uh, position in the church is I am the uh, head of music, the music leader. Uh, and in the daytime, I work at a university, and that's it. My name is Dana O'Brien. I'm the pastor here at Cross of Glory. I've been here about seven years. I'm a mom of two, grandmother of two, and I'm not in the music ministry, although Todd has in the past told me that I sing really well. Oh, my, oh my gosh. Can you bleep that out? Because that is, <laughs> is well, it's sacrilege. <laughs> All right, I see how tonight's going to go. <laughs> so uh, let's let's begin at the beginning. What is Christian nationalism? I have notes. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know I, I've done little bits and piece, pieces of reading on it. Christian Christian nationalism is a political and religious ideology that combines Christian faith with a strong emphasis on nationalism, often with the belief that the nation should be governed according to particular. Uh, a particular interpretation of Christian values and principles. Okay, and I'll, I'll, I'll go. Got more. But, oh, you uh, have more? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, and ahead. I would take it a, a bit more extreme than that. I'll, I'll say it's much, it's actually more of a cultural thing. And it's not, it's a conflating of, of Christianity with nationalism, but it's not the Christianity that many of us know. It's a Christianity based on more cultural norms, ethnic, ethnicity, sort of the Christianity that people lived maybe, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, so it turns out that it's really not Christian at all, and it's really not, certainly not pro-democracy at all either. Well, I, I, I think just on that interpretation, I think that fundamental fundamentalist Christians would, would argue against that a little bit. Oh, sure. But, um, and, I, and I do feel that fundamentalist Christians do make up a large block of, of people that are self, self-proclaimed Christians. Christian nationalists or Christians? Christians. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, 
yeah, I, I just felt like attributing it to a very, very small group. Very, very small group. And I think it's uh, a lot more uh, widespread um, and uh, pervasive in, in American society. It is, yeah. it is, which is why it's so scary. Yeah. It's also a belief that God favors the United States over other nations. So that not it's you're not subjectively patriotic and saying that, you know, I love my country and I support it and, and that sort of thing. And believing that's subjective and that other people can believe the same thing about their country. It's a belief that, no, objectively, the United States better than everyone else, favored more than everyone else, and that God loves us more than them. And it's really kind of that line in the sand where that you believe it's objective, an objective fact rather than a subjective thing. So I, I believe that you know this, this is not a recent phenomenon, this, this Christian nationalism that we're discussing. You know, this is something that I think dates back to the start of this country. And when you think about the first people that came here, you know, they were the pilgrims who came for religious freedom. And they felt that, I believe they felt that it was their divine providence, if you will, to start this country and the, based on based on their, uh, their Christian beliefs. And that, you know, God provided for them. And I think that's kind of how that took, took root in this country. And I think as, as the country grew and we got into, drawn into different conflicts and different wars... We always looked at ourselves as the better people, you know, the people that were always behind God. And I don't know, if you look at any war that's ever been fought, aren't they all in the name of God to some degree? And I, I know maybe I'm digressing at this point, but... Well, yeah, no, I think I think you've, you've got really valid points, especially in uh, the, the pilgrims seeking a place where they could express their own, uh, their own set of faiths, uh, although it was a colony at that time, not a country. Well, so, that came later. Yeah, so that did come later. But the funny thing is, and you you said it uh, a second ago, is the United States, there's a, a, a combination of Christian nationalism as part of patriotism. And people tend to mix those two together. And they're very, very separate ideals. You can be very, very patriotic and support your country and be behind everything your country does, but also celebrate its, um, its diversity, its whatever. And the United States is not the only nation that deals with Christian nationalism. Poland does, Russia does, Hungary does, Brazil does, the Philippines do. Who did I miss? The big one. Oh, I forget. Oh, Brazil. Thank you, Brazil. So uh, Christian nationalism is not is not just a specter. It's, it's the reality of how the country is being run in each of those countries. And in each of those countries, they're kind of placing their nationalism, their, their country over everything else as favored by God. Can you say that about other countries that, that believe in God, such as Islamic countries too? Well, lots of countries have strong, strong faith, but those other countries are not Christian nationalists. No, they're Islamic nationalists. Right, right. right. But it's still a monotheistic belief in one God. Right, but... but Tonight's discussion, this <laughs> <laughs> Christian <laughs> nationalism. I mean, the argument isn't that we are worse than anyone else necessarily right. on it. It's just right. that we are not more favored by God than anyone else either. Right, right. and that's, that's exactly the point. Yeah, and Christian nationalists also tend to think that they are the custodians of the nation's heritage, that they're the only ones who know what this country is supposed to be and where this country is supposed to go. Do you think 
Christian nationalists are the only ones who think that because I think well, no, a no, lot no. of radical groups on both sides think that. That's true, but right. we're talking Christian nationalists, and that's actually one of the tenets of their beliefs, mm-hmm. is that they're the ones who are going to point the country in the right direction. They're the ones who are going to bring the country back to God. I think to circle back around to your point about like that this was kind of how it all started because the pilgrims came over for religious freedom, and that is tr- very much true, but also... Our founders were very specific in the Constitution around, like, the Establishment Clause and that the government's not going to establish a national religion. And so there, while these people were Christians, they were very deliberately chose not to say, this is a Christian nation and the rest of you can either get on board or just be quiet about it. So, I mean, in fact, Washington was, like, famously wrote a letter to the Jews saying that, you're, you know, you are safe here in this country and we want you to be, be a part of it and that sort of thing. So... It's, you know, historically, at least when the country was being founded, not necessarily being settled in the colonies, but when the country was being founded, we deliberately chose not to go down that Christian nationalist type path. Well, I think that that, that resonates really well um, with the founding fathers trying to get uh, um, basically a, a cohesion between several of the colonies and states that were Catholic, Quaker, etc., that had their large group of certain uh, religious denominations within by declaring that we're not going to pick one versus uh, the UK that had, or England, I should say, that had uh, uh, Anglicism. You know, in the United States, let's open it up to everybody. Let's not make make a ruling about what it should be so that uh, we don't have to, you know, so that we can vote together to declare our independence. I think it was much more of a political move at that time than it was an altruistic move, you know? I agree. Because it was, it was they wanted freedom from the king. Yeah. It also sa- it actually says in the Constitution in Article Six, Clause Three, there will be no religious tests required to hold any public office or public trust under the United States. So it's affirmed in there that you don't need to be Christian to be a congressman or the president. Even you don't need to be a Christian. Christian nationalism goes back for forever. It started with Thomas Jefferson. Uh, they didn't like Thomas Jefferson because he wasn't Christian enough. So I mean, it's it's been so, it's been part of our country since the founding of our country. Well, I think also Christian nationalism exists on a spectrum as well. Like you know, it's not nece- like there are the extreme examples of you know like militia groups and things like that, or you know people that January sixth there were people that prayed on the floor of the Capitol after storming the Capitol and like, you know, Christian, you know, people that had crosses and things like that. So there's that kind of Christian nationalism, but then there's also people that just believe America is a Christian nation or that true Americans are Christians. They're not doing anything violent, but their beliefs are definitely on that Christian nationalism path. So, you know, it's, there's definitely a spectrum of belief in that. And do you think it ebbs and flows with what's going on in in the country, like, do you think that no matter what we're doing, or that it all depends on what we're doing, as far as you know, like what's out there, like if you hear about it or not? Because you, I feel like Christian nationalism right now is so it's more obvious than I've ever heard it before, or is it not? I mean, or is that just me? I think that there's a there's always been a polarization between conservatives and, and progressives, and that's everywhere, all over the world, and in every group. But I think that, um, and this is my belief, I believe that certain things like 
media that really needs clicks, viewers, and everything else associated with an advertising model to play on that as much as possible to get increased viewers. So meaning that certain networks are going to be much more radical or much in one direction or another. You know, we talk about Fox News and uh, MSNBC and, and even CNN and, you know, and each of them having having a, um, a lean towards the liberal or uh, progressive side. Um, so I think that although it's always been polarized, I think it's been amplified lately. And that's why it seems like it's worse, simply because it's being played to us constantly. Like the Facebook algorithm that keeps telling you to buy a toaster because once, two years ago, you looked at a toaster. I agree. <laughs> no, no, Dennis, no cop out. What do you really think? No, I really no. You you hit you hit on some pretty uh, salient points there. I I like what you said there. I mean, you're right. It's it just seems more polarized today, and I I think it's be, a lot of it's being driven by by the media. You know, they they want you to think a certain way, right, left, middle, whatever. I think there's a lot of uneducated people out there who really have a hard time discerning between right, wrong, left, right, up, down. That you know, you get you get people that can easily get polarized into some group or sect or whatever. And I think it's up to people who have a, don't want to say a brain, but people who have some level of intelligence to sit there and sift through all the all the propaganda and determine what, what you believe to be true. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. It's it's easier to let your favorite newscaster tell you what to think about things than it is to go through things. It's, it sounds like that's pretty much what you're saying. But talking about the media is out to get you and, and um, the big media, etc., has recently been a talking point for, for some groups. You know, well, you know, you, you can't trust the media. And when I say the media is doing it, I don't mean that there's an organized cabal somewhere putting together this plan that we're all going to do. It is each individual broadcaster, podcaster, YouTuber, Facebook contributor, uh, etc., is putting out there something. And if they start getting likes, interest or whatever, they'll continue down that path and they'll just keep going in that direction. And that's why it's polarizing. Not necessarily that the everybody at MSNBC decided to, to think a certain way or do a certain thing or somebody mandated it. They were getting likes. They were getting watchers. They were getting people that were interested in tuning in, increased advertising dollars. They put more people on the air that were like that. They just inherent in capitalism and advertising. So. I think there's also an element of just that the internet allows people with somewhat extreme beliefs to find each other. So it used to be you had Uncle Jim at you know, Thanksgiving, who might say crazy things, but you just kind of been like, okay, well, you know, that's just Uncle Jim. We're not that worried about him. And he didn't have any way to find anybody else that's crazy and believes this stuff. But now these people can. They can easily find each other. They can easily organize. And next thing you know, they're all getting together for rallies or this or that. And, and you know, they form a community around that. And the beliefs become more and more extreme. And these conspiracy theories can spread. You know, there used to just be one guy with a tinfoil hat sitting in his garage and now it's like a movement. <laughs> tinfoil hats. <laughs> tinfoil hats. But you know at the same time I don't think this is all that I mean some of it is really extreme. I mean when when people crash the Capitol and pray on the on the on the floor that's that's extreme. 
But I think um, I think there's more people that hold these views than anyone would realize, and I think it's really easy to slide into them. I don't think you have to be extremist, and I think a lot of it is caused by fear, by uh, fear that people see that this world is changing, that their their the United States is changing, that it's become much more diverse, um, that Christianity no longer holds a privileged position. You know, been 2020 for the first time. There were fewer than 50% of the population of the United States said they were members of a, of a religious organization. The first time ever. Okay, so, so people who are Christians see their influence and their privilege and their power waning, and they don't know what to do. And so to latch on to this idea that, you know, there was a time, ideally it was way back to the, the founding of the nation, there was this time when Christianity was privileged and should have been privileged because that's the way it was set up and we are God's chosen people. And we need to retain that power. We need to retain it both for the future of Christianity and for the future of the United States. The two futures are fused together. I think people are feeding on the fears that lots of people have. We have leaders feeding on those fears and leaders like mass media, you know, want power and control and money. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's like Germany in the early 30s, 1930s but you know you have you have a lot of fear you have a lot of, of issues going on and you have a lot of people looking for something stable and looking to the past and hoping that the past will become our future and I think I think that's a real problem especially right now Dennis do you agree to a degree okay so elaborate <laughs> yeah you can't just <laughs> no I, I think some of the comments about you know we're talking about extremism and I, I look at what you were talking about with Germany in the 30s. And you would have thought that we would have learned from that. And it doesn't seem like we have because you know, the, and, and maybe I'm just going to talk about recent events, but you look at what happened in Israel on October 7th. And oh my gosh, what a, what a, what a horrific um, thing that happened. But yet you have people that defend what the other side did, what Hamas did. And I don't see that. And I think those are people that forgot about the past or don't know the past. And is that a societal thing where we haven't done a good enough job explaining the past? Because, you know, if you, if you don't explain the past, you're destined to, to relive it. And I see us reliving that again. You know, I'm not trying to pick on uh, Jews or Arabs here, but I mean, it's, it's kind of a scary time right now. And maybe we're di I'm digressing from the whole Christian nationalism thing, but um, it's it's pretty scary. I mean, we could be looking at World War III here soon. It is scary, and that's and and that's a perfect example of of nationalism. I mean, yes. it's not Christian nationalism, but it's nationalism. You have two competing factions where religion and and the fight over a, a piece of land have been have been merged. It's historical, and you know it's been going on for ages and ages. And what are we fighting over? Well, we're not fighting over no, anything. but what are, what are they fighting over? The name of in the name of God, right? You right. Know? But again, Christians can't throw stones. We've no, done no, some amazing, I'm not saying no, not at, done, all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, and, and that's just an intractable, intractable problem over there. And there is there is blame to go around. There is blame to go around, unfortunately, and there is sorrow and tragedy to go around as well. I think that war is a whole podcast in and of itself. Sorry. <laughs> the next question, and I'm going to preface this with some survey results, is why is it so popular right now? Pew did a survey uh, last summer, and 60% of all U.S. adults thought that the founders of America intended for the U.S. to be a Christian nation. 
37 thought not. 33% uh, of the population thought the U.S. is now a Christian nation, and 45% said the U.S. should be a Christian nation. If you look at all Christians, uh, the 62% of all Christians surveyed said that the U.S. should be a Christian nation. It's, it's lower among Catholics and uh, black Protestants, but it's still pretty high among, you know, all the white evangelicals. It's extremely high among the white evangelicals and the white non-evangelicals. Uh, white evangelicals, 81% of all white evangelicals said that the United States should be a Christian nation. So I guess my question is, why is it so popular now? I mean, this is something that I never heard of three or four years ago. But now it's it seems to be a, a major issue going on in the country. Can I take a stab at that? I, I believe that a lot of this goes back to what Todd said about media. I believe that these people have always been there. The, the people who are saying we need to be a Christian nation and some of those groups that are these outliers, if you will. I think they've always been there. I just think the, the a lot of this gets ramped up or amped up by, by the media. You know, we talk about, you know, certain groups of people and those people, oh my gosh, they're they're this extreme organization, one way or another. And and it seems like anybody that is associated with any type of religion these days, particularly uh, Christianity, in my opinion, it seems they're they're labeled as if it's Christian their label is right wing ex right wing extremism, and if they don't believe in abortion, it's right wing extremism. So I, I think the media plays a very big role in how a lot of these groups are viewed, and I think there might be misrepresentation in how they're viewed. So all of a sudden they're they're labeled or mislabeled as one one way or another. You know, you you just see this. You see a lot of this going on in the media right. But even if that's true, how does that explain people self-identifying with the beliefs of the U.S. should be a Christian nation? It was always intended to be a Christian nation. I mean, like, I don't necessarily disagree with your point on how some of the labeling can happen. But these are people, I mean, from a survey, that's people self-identifying and saying this is what they believe. It's not me assessing what other people believe. It's what it's you're, you know, you're answering for yourself. I mean, look, look at how we were brought up. I, I can speak for myself. I mean, I was brought up in a Christian home and you were you were taught that you, you had you not had to be, but you were strongly encouraged to be a Christian and to identify your faith with God and country. And, you know, you, you and that goes back to patriotism as well. And the whole belief that we are the chosen nation, if you will. And you look at the two world wars that were fought. And the United States has always been quick to jump into some sort of fray that maybe we shouldn't have gotten into, you know, Korea, Vietnam, you name it. And it's it's always we're there to, to help help the, you know, right the wrongs and empire build and give our, you know, our influence over the rest of the world, which happens to be, you know, Judeo-Christian values. I think largely what we're spreading is democracy, isn't it? I mean... I don't think we're generally going in and calling. I mean, I won't say we've never done that, but I mean, like, you know, if you take the Iraq war or something like that, you know, more recent, we didn't go over there to spread Christianity. We tried and failed to spread democracy. I agree. But I think maybe along those lines, Christianity follows along with the democracy. I mean, it's just it's it's no different than in my mind. It's no different than 
when we talk to different countries, as, as America, as United States, we talk to different countries and we want to influence them with, with our culture and society and, you know, maybe a lot of the uh, liberal positions that maybe other cultures and, and countries don't embrace. And we try to, you know, influence those countries. And they're like, no, 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 no. You know, we don't believe in, let's say, LGBTQ rights and all that stuff. But we still try to influence that country with that. Um, you know, I know there's some African nations that they, they don't want to have any of that influence at all. I, uh, two things. Number one, I think that, Dennis, I agree uh, with the first part. I know, you're shocked. I'm shocked. Uh, I, for those of us who grew up, you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 years ago, religion, Christianity was tied to government. You were taught religion in your, in your history classes. You were taught to be a good citizen in church. Um, and so I think we were set up to, to slide right easily into Christian nationalism. I do not think it's an extremist situation. I think that it's all over the place and there's a boatload of people that believe in it. And we see it on the federal level and the state level. And, you know, we had people had uh, issues with library committees and, and voting on school boards. And I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Um, so it's not something that's just extremism. It's in our common ground now. Um, we just had a, you know, a Speaker of the House that was elected who was an election denier. So I think it's much more common, and it's easy to slide into. Uh, to your point, I agree with it. Growing up, you know, we're of the same vintage. What's the first thing you did every day when you went to school? You said the Pledge of the Allegiance, right? You pledged to the, the country and to God as well. So you're right. It's it's ingrained in in us. I, I see your point, and I agree with parts of it. I disagree with parts of it because I I too. I mean, I was raised in a in, in my case a very Catholic, crazy Catholic household. Uh, we went to church more often than anything else in our lives. Um, I was an altar boy. I was a Boy Scout. I was a Cub Scout. I mean, I was I was all of those things. But at one point, you start critically thinking about what's going on, and you make adult decisions. So. Even though people are set up to slide into it, I don't think that that's a given. I think that people as adults still are responsible for their own choices and actions. And they cannot, after age nine, it's time to stop blaming your parents. I didn't, I didn't start critically thinking till 30, okay, Todd? Okay. <laughs> Co coinciding with Jesus' ministry. That's awesome. <laughs> 32 years but, to be exact. But, but, but what we were taught back then is not Christian nationalism. That may be civic religion, but Christian nationalism is different. I wasn't taught that, that the United States has a privileged position. I wasn't taught that we should, we should do whatever we have to do, including violence and forcing people to adopt and live Christian values. Oh, oh I, um, you no, know, so, I disagree but, completely. Oh, oh, wow. You were taught that? Absolutely. I think we were all taught that. I think we were all taught that because remember our textbooks and such growing up. America saved the world by helping the, the uh, uh, Allied powers in World War II, by doing this, by, by putting a man on the moon and nobody else could do. Our literal curriculum for the first you know, 12, 12 years of our education specifically said the United States is the special little thing. You know, it's, uh, it's God's special little man. It's not until later in life where you start experiencing, well, this was written by somebody who's French, and this person never saw an American, an America like you're seeing it, or so on. We're conflating patriotism and nationalism there, aren't we? Because, I mean, learning that 
the United States is great and that we saved the world in World War II and things like that is very different than saying God chose us to save the world in World War II. You know, like, so, I mean, maybe I just had different textbooks or whatever, but, like, I mean, I did learn about, you know, the great things that America has done for the world and how, you know, we have definitely stepped into many conflicts and saved the day back in the day, but... I don't remember ever hearing that like it was because God chose us to be that person. Did you ever hear about uh, any any other country coming in to save the day? Any other culture? Any other religion during that time? Growing up, every textbook either never mentioned religion, or if they mentioned it, it, it was like the exception to the rule. Like you know, for a such and such, he was a pretty good guy. I don't remember hearing about public figures, specific religions, but I do, like I did in high school, have to take like a world history class and you did study, there were, you know, chapters on each of the major world religions. I mean, you didn't get in depth by any stretch, but it was at least touched on. But no, you certainly didn't go into depth on, quite frankly, world history in general was always taught from a very American perspective. (laughs) Now, it didn't talk about God, but it was always taught from the perspective of America. I imagine that's probably true in most countries, too. From the French, probably learn it from a French perspective, and Germans from a German perspective. I'm not saying that that's necessarily right, but that's probably how we all learned, I would imagine. uh, And and that's definitely true, I think. But it's very easy to see how somebody would slide into the Christians do this, Americans do this. So... America must be Christian and pull that pull that together, just not putting any critical thought into that specific thing. I don't think that that I think that most people are smarter than most people give them credit for being. I think that in general we're a pretty smart people, world, but we don't all prioritize the same things. You know, some people are very, very smart when it comes to maths, or very smart when it comes to cooking and making stuff, but they're not necessarily that smart about politics. They don't care. They're just, it's not their thing. I think a lot of what you're describing is more of a civic religion, mm-hmm. a civil religion. When I was young, when I was, in, I was in Boy Scouts, and I also didn't learn to start critical thinking until my late 20s, so I guess I had you be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went for one of the badges, the Prodeo et Padre badge, which I don't actually even know what that stands for. Something would be father in there, yeah. Padre, but... <laughs> but one... God and father, right? God and father? Okay. But one one of the things that I had to do for that is it, it, at the beginning of the church service is I had to lead the Pledge, Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of the church service was the Pledge of Allegiance. So it, it seems like it's pretty easy to slide from this civic religion into, you know, a nationalist type way of thinking. Right. But civic religion is not Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is, is much deeper and more dangerous. I mean, it's a it's a it's the view that we need to force the rest of the country to adopt Christian mores and values. It also often comes with, you know, a, a white supremacy view, anti-immigration view, complementarianism, or or even worse, you know, men should be in positions of power. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that underlies it. It's not just civic religion. And it's dangerous to a political system. But what we haven't talked about, which is kind of interesting, is how would you define Christianity? In terms of in terms of Christian nationalism, because as far as I'm concerned, the Christianity the Christian nationalism proposes and supports is nothing at all like the Christianity that I know. And so we've been talking politics, but gee whiz, should we talk faith? 
Right, because well, that's what I that's what I'm I'm sitting here listening to all of this, and I'm thinking, Christian, because Christianity over here is very different than the Christianity on the right is very different than Christianity on the left. Usually, I mean, I could be talking way out of turn, but you know, my idea of Christianity might be very different than somebody else's view of Christianity, and that's just a how I was brought up, and be where I find myself in my life. So if you had to put define Christianity in terms of like maybe two really important commandments, maybe, for example, what would they be? <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe. Really? Love others as God loves you? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's not good. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Love God? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Love God above all others. Above all you. others, yes. Yeah. And, and so you ask yourself, you know, how, if, if that's the, the, the little nugget of Christianity, how well does Christian, do Christian national adherents live that out? Right. And I guess my answer is it doesn't seem like it's done too well. Whenever you're trying to force your beliefs on others, whenever you're trying to privilege yourself and seek power, um, that's not Jesus. So in my view... Christian nationalism has very little to do with Christianity as a religion and a faith. It has much more to do with Christianity as a culture of understood beliefs and bases and a way of living that is disappearing as, you know, our country becomes more pluralistic and diverse. You have a funny looking face. No, it's not that I have no questions on that. I agree with what you're saying entirely. It just reminded me of a book that I read a couple years ago called Jesus and John Wayne. Any of you have heard of it, but it's about it's about the last 75 years of white evangelicalism and basically how, you know, over time there was it was almost purposeful in the intent of how they work to replace what you would say is the Jesus of the Gospels with a rugged, masculine, you know, Christian nationalist view of Jesus. And it's it's really a very good book, regardless of where you fall in the political spectrum, I would say depending where you fall, you may or may not agree with it. It was very well researched, a great book, and it really plays into what you were talking about. So like, as you were saying that, it just reminded me of that book. So I think we've had varying levels of Christian nationalism in this country for a long time. I think that it's been a recent revelation, if you will, that it's just come to the forefront probably in the last, um, last five to 10 years that people really talk about it. But I think, you know, there's always been different different variations of Christian nationalism in different parts of this country for a long time. And again, I think the media has helped fuel a lot of what's what's going on with, you know, Christian nationalism, in my mind anyways. Again, I mean, I think it's I think it's much more serious than than I than the sense I'm getting from you, Dennis. I don't think it's just a manufactured thing. I think it's really concerned. And I think as Lutherans, we have to be particularly concerned about this. We have a we have a history which causes us to be very humble whenever this is discussed. We have a, we follow a guy named Martin Luther who had to be one of the most anti-Semitic writers that I've ever... I mean, Luther had some amazing theology, and he did some amazing things, and he had some wonderfully marvelous thoughts, but, but his views on the Jewish population were not one of them. And the ELCA and Lutherans have, you know, apologized for his views time and time again. And, I mean, it's historically recognized that Hitler, you know, borrowed those views, lots of them, and was able to help use Luther's views to help him 
encourage, captivate, get the Lutheran, yeah, sell his views to the German Lutheran Church who supported him. I mean, they, and that's a wonderful example of Christian nationalism, of a, the Lutheran Church just, just sold out, well, I mean, yeah, okay. The Lutheran Church sold out the faith, the, the Christian faith as Jesus, as Jesus proclaimed it, the gospel, to support a political, a political leader. I think, um, and I'm glad you said that, because I think that in some ways you're kind of minimizing uh, a little bit of Christian nationalism and, and how at least I see it, because there have always been radical groups. There, you know, Tea Party, BLM, Occupy Wall Street, anti-Obamacare. I mean, there's all, all these radical groups on both sides. Mm -hmm. But only in a case of Christian nationalism are we seeing something that is pervasive into people's inner inner lives. They've conflagrated religion and a politics. It's become one thing, and it's bringing people in from the margins of, of both sides. People who are marginally Christian are becoming more Christian, and people who are very politically active are becoming more Christian, and we're seeing that little virgins. And I say Christian, meaning that, that specific, very, very tightly defined evangelical fundamentalist Christian viewpoint. So can I, can yeah. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, and maybe what I'm trying to articulate is that those people have always been there, but we have the internet and the media. And the, to your point, those people now have a way to make, make connections with each other. They've always been there and they've always been on the fringes and we've always knew they've been there on the fringes. And we just kind of said, okay, they're, they're not there. on the fringes anymore. It's, but no, they're it's not 80, anymore because they're 81% of white evangelicals. It's, it's now modern. It's right. Mainstream. Right. So they're able to, to come together. That's what I'm trying to say. And grow in number. Yes. And grow in number. They're not, they're not and, mainstream. And it's, it's not just that they're not, to the pastor's point, they're taking the Christian theology and kind of warping it a little bit. For the last week. I, a lot. They're warping it a lot. Okay. I was trying to be nice. Um, for the last week, I and it's a week I'll never get back. I and and, re, and researching this, I went on a bunch of Christian nationalist boards and internet sites and Facebook sites, and I listened to a couple of podcasts, and I showed a couple of you some of the things that they're po posting. One one of the big things in Christian nationalism right now is they're saying if Jesus had an AK forty seven, he'd be alive today. And I saw that in several places, and I heard it on at least one of the podcasts. Uh, another one that disturbed disturbed me another on one of the message boards was, just wait till Trump returns, because Jesus said, love your friends and hate your enemies. And then they listed the Bible verse. But that, that's... Uh, I'm kidding, there is yeah. no... No, 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 there, there is, is. There is. You've but, heard it said... said Love your or uh, love your friends, <laughs> hate your enemies. But I say, but they just love they your enemies. The but they, 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 the they, they took out the center that right. they liked and left out the parts that actually make it meaningful. And they then, cut off the crusts. Yeah. yeah. And then the third thing, and I, I know we talked about this before. There was uh, he was a and I forget his name. He was a, an editor for the uh, Christian uh, Christianity Today, and he was a pastor. And he did a sermon on Sermon on the Mount. It sounds familiar. That's what the pastors are doing. Russell Moore. That no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Russell Moore. No, okay. It might have been. I forget his name completely now. 
But he had several parishioners come up to him afterwards and tell, ask him why he was talking about those liberal talking points. That's not what Jesus said. And he was dumbfounded because he was literally preaching what Jesus said. Yeah, he was preaching on the Beatitudes. Yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers, right. the merciful. So, oh, the merciful. The merciful, yeah. yeah. And maybe it was merciful. And, and so, although I agree with you, Christian nationalism has been around since the very beginning of this country. Um, Thomas Jefferson was, they tried to get, they, they tried to impeach him because he wasn't Christian enough. So it, it has been around, but I think it's trending for, further and further away from Christianity. Um, and I don't know where it's, where it's moving towards. They're, they're still calling themselves Christian, but they're not. And that's why I said it's not, um, it's not a religious thing. It's a cultural thing because the word Christian is not being used as a religious identifier, because they're not identifying any religious tenets, at least not that include the crust and the middle. So it's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a longing for a culture that existed sometime ago when white men were in control. What can I say? Give me the good old days. <laughs> yeah. and, that's exact, and that's exactly the point. Cutting that one out. That's, no, no. Because you gotta exactly, leave some comedy in, okay? But but no, but that's exactly the point. There are two, there are a whole bunch of people who view that as the good old days, and in a world that's changing quickly, and your privilege is going away, um, people are longing for those times when they were in power. So yeah, that's a it's a problem. Well, I'm married, so I lost all power a long time ago. <laughs> Too soon. Okay. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I recently seen that. Uh, I think it was a comic or something like that. It was talking a, a group of kids had um, children in this comic had discovered or built a time machine. They were talking amongst each other. What time do you want to go back to this that, and the other? Everybody was all excited about going back to the 1920s, the roaring 20s or the, you know, Jiffy 50s or whatever. Except for the one black kid in the group who said, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> because there is no good old days for a large chunk of yeah. the population. You know, a, a different chunk. Yeah, used to be. Okay, so, and I, maybe I'm usurping you. So we've, we've talked about it, and we agree, I think, that at least to some degree it's not a good thing. As Christians, um, it's certainly not a good thing for Christianity because it gives us a name that doesn't at all describe what it means or what we think it means to be Christians. So what, if anything, should we be doing? Well, let me ask you. Because this is a question that Jeff put down, and we didn't get to it, but I think we should. Should your faith inform your politics, and if so, to what degree? How much? Of course my faith should inform my politics. Right. Does that mean that you're going to then rally around that? Are you going to well, join? But, but what is my faith? My faith is love of, of others, including mm -hmm. enemies. My faith is servanthood. The, there's an ELCA statement, uh, they're, they're doing a social message, came out in 2020, right before the 2020 election. In 2023, the end of this year, they're going to come out with a draft of a, no, excuse me, that was a social message, a draft of a social statement on political engagement and faith in Christianity. Mm -hmm. The thing I like about the social message was it said that the, the thing that we should be looking for, the question we should be asking about what's happening in our political and social and civic realm, is it helping our neighbor? I mean, is that a question that anybody asks in politics nowadays? No, it's all, what's it, what's it for me? How does it benefit me? Okay, so yeah, I, th I think Christianity, or at least as I understand it, should definitely inform my political position. Christ my Christian faith should inform everything, because that's what it means right. to be Christian. If somebody's Islamic, their faith should inform who they are as well. 
my Christian faith doesn't talk about trying to keep myself in power. Mm. It talks about serving my neighbor. And I think that, I, to, to be quite honest with you, I think if, if, if people live a Christian faith, the real Christian faith, like Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, everybody would benefit because that's, that's the way Christian faith is supposed to work. You're supposed to be benefiting your neighbor. But let's bring it to, to actual topics that we all have to deal with. Even as a church here, where the, the bulk of this church is pretty pretty like-minded, there's a division on how people think about abortion rights. There's a division on how people think of gun rights. Uh, there's a division on how people think about uh, immigration rights. I mean, there's there are divisions even amongst a group that are fairly like-minded. And in each of those cases, each individual believes that they are following Christ. And I would, and I would like to, I would, gee whiz, I hope that somebody's heard me say this before, because I try and say it a lot, certainly before elections. Our faith should determine everything we do, and that includes our politics, and that includes how we vote and how we stand on all those different things. Now, Christians will take different positions on different issues depending on how they understand their faith and their traditions, but they need to start with their faith. They can't start with their politics and then go back to their faith and say, that's it. So if two people come to different positions on abortion, for example, mm -hmm. and they both say, I've read the Bible, I've prayed over this, and, and this is what I believe. I get that. I can understand that. But if you don't start with your faith, you're not starting in the right place. And so, so if, you know, I personally, for me, I don't understand how people can cannot believe in in reasonable gun restrictions. You know, I remember that Jesus was pretty much of a pacifist, but I know that people have taken different views on that. But you got to start there. You got to start with your faith. And I think the problem is too many people do not. In fact, they start with their politics or they start with their mass media or they start with their favorite TV channel or whatever, and then they pull that back into their faith or they completely run around their faith. Right. I think, and I was going to say, I think you should drop the mic now. Because I mean, that really does capitalize on capitalize on everything we've been talking about. You know, Christian nationalism seems to be, from an outside point of view, driven by politics first, with a Christianity overlay. And, right. A veneer. Veneer. A thin yeah. veneer of Christianity. Right. Um, and since it seems the vast majority of Americans don't read the Bible, they go by what they're told is in the Bible. Or what they think is in the Bible. Right, including that, that, that shortened statement over, uh, hate your enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is in the Bible. It just is an example of what you're not supposed to do. Right. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? I mean, so we've just said, okay, it's a problem. It's not Christian. It's not good for our, it's not good for our democracy. So as, as Christians, what, what are we going to do? Hope that it passes? Put our heads in the sand. <laughs> what are you going to do? What 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 is what is God calling us to do? What would Jesus do in these situations? Is it a time to speak truth to power? Is it a time to step out and and talk about what real what we understand Christianity to be? Is it is the time to build bridges? What 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 do we do? I think we need to be influential in the circle of influence we have, whatever that might be. So if you are a political figure, then you need to speak out against this sort of thing. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you know, you're raising the next generation so that they're not sliding accidentally into Christian nationalism. That If you're in business or, you know, like 
everyone has some circle of influence, whatever that might be. And some are bigger, some are smaller, but all you can do is influence what you can and try to be that example and then bring people along with you. I mean, how did we get to where we are? Well, it's because they were the loudest voices in the room and they got everybody on board. So now is the time to try to be some of those louder voices in the room. Such a great point. I heard, um, I'm not sure what I was researching, but but somebody somebody said our, our instinct is to um, associate with like-minded people. But somebody said now is exactly the time when you don't cut off and this doesn't apply just on Christian national. It, it applies to all the different issues over which our country is polarized. Now is exactly the time when you don't cut off that friend who disagrees with you about something. You don't, you don't say, we're not inviting Uncle John to Thanksgiving dinner because I can't stand to talk to him. We always end up fighting. Now is, now is exactly the time not to do that because the only way anybody's going to change their mind. The only way people are even going to be able to, to talk and interact with each other is if we listen and if we work on building bridges and if we're open, you know, and if we say to Uncle John, tell me, tell me, why, why is it that you believe what you do? How, how, does, this, how does this connect with your, with your faith? You know, wh- where do you see Jesus working in all this? You're not, you may not change Uncle John's opinion, but, but unless we start Unless we start interacting with people, unless we start living like we say we're supposed to live, like loving our enemies part, you know, and these people aren't even our enemies. They're our friends. They're our relatives. You know, they're people that we have to stay with and not cut off. Unless we start doing that, it's only going to get worse. And we may not be the loudest voices in the room. And we shouldn't, because that's not who Jesus was. But I know what you meant. Listening is key. In my old career, back in my old life, I was one of the people who had to change people, had to convince people to change. And the way to do that is not to yell at them, not to shout at them, not to tell them they're wrong all the time, but to listen to them and then explain to them why you disagree with them very calmly, no matter how uncommon they are. And the the theory, it's called the, the drop, literally the drop in the bucket theory. Change is not going to happen overnight, just like a bucket does not get filled overnight. If, but if there's a constant drip into that bucket, eventually it will get filled. It's the same with change. To change people, you got to just one drop at a time. But you have to use compassion, and you have to use listening, and that's the only way that people change. Well, I think we've exhausted this topic. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I think... Uh, talk about the World Series? No. <laughs> well, I think we're good on time. So why don't we uh, go ahead and start wrapping it up here. Um, let's start with final thoughts. I didn't. I didn't prepare a closing statement on this. <laughs> um, I think it's easy to try to. It's easy to not want to fight anymore. It's easy to pull into our own bubbles, as we were saying. And I think it's important to try to have our voices heard as well in this. To try to help. To try to understand where people are coming from, but to not excuse it all the time, because I think. I think we've maybe done a little bit too much of that, and this is how we've gotten where we are. Yeah, unfortunately, some of this stuff all begins at home as well. And I feel like, you know, sometimes the, the, the people that are closest to you are some of the people that you, like Jeff says, you have to just keep at it and listen and hear what they're trying to say to help change some of those ideas, I guess. It was very informative. <laughs> Very informative. 
first off, I want to thank you for inviting me to be part of the um, podcast. I, I find this very, very enjoyable. Um, I, absolutely. I like, I like, I like discussion. You know, I'm probably one of the few conservatives that attend Cross of Glory. I, I, I love my church family. We may disagree on certain things, but you guys are still all my friends. So, I mean, you know, and I hope, I hope you guys feel the same way about me. <laughs> I know some of you just tolerate me, but um, I don't care. I'm good with that. Yeah, I thought this was, uh, this was rather enlightening. And Barb, to your point, you're right. It does begin at home. It, it, you know, it's important that you raise your family and you raise yourself correctly and that you, you, you think for yourself and you, don't, uh, you try not to be influenced by all the noise that we get. And, um, you know, I look at the young people coming up today and they have more noise in their life than ever. You know, when we were kids and I'm going back to Dana, we're of the same age group. And, you know what, we, we had, a, you know, a television, you know, you, you had CBS, NBC, ABC, you know, maybe a couple independent. WGN. Yeah. Well, if you're from Chicago, WGN. But, you know, the influences were rather small. So you relied on family and friends. And I think that's where a lot of us you know, have our, have our faith base is, is from family and friends. And, um, I, I look at kids today, you know, your granddaughter, my grandson, I, I can only, I can only, I can't even imagine what they're going to be bombarded with as they, as they become teenagers. But yes, I would love to do this again if I'm invited. I, I agree. You should do it again. I agree. Um, and Dennis and I uh, communicate a lot, although we are often diametrically opposed in what we believe, um, and and will occasionally share memes that fight each other. You know, but they're funny. But they are funny. <laughs> they are funny. I think that the uh, absolute absolute hardest thing to do is to listen to your enemy. It's and you know, as soon as uh, Pastor, as soon as you said that, whatever, I heard it. And uh, uh, I realized that I don't have a lot of enemies, but the two or three people that I do are really, really people I do not want to talk to. And trying to find a way to talk to them, that's, 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 a, that's a very, very um, heavy task. Is your family going to hear this? No, no. <laughs> yeah. That's who I was talking about. No, um, no it's not my family. And uh, I appreciate hearing everybody's viewpoints. Yeah, this this was good. This was mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I was trying to think if if I if I thought we had missed anything. And you're right. It it starts at home, and listening is is so important. I I I come back to the idea that we do need to live out our Christian faith. And and when we're and when we're listening, and when we're dealing with people at home, and when we're dealing with our enemies, it is it is so important. And I never I never used to think this was that important, but it is to to see the image of God in the other person to remember. That even our enemies are are made in God's image, and to to recognize that that Christianity is so much bigger than any one community or any one nation. You know, we talk about it here all the time. We God welcomes all people. God God loves all people, and we it's really hard. But that's that's what we're called to do. And and you you can't do that if you're going to be a nationalist. You just can't. Um, and so maybe there's something to be said for not being a nationalist of any religious type. And, and maybe just being a person made in the image of God. All right. Well, thank you all for coming tonight. I really do appreciate you all coming. I didn't introduce myself earlier in the podcast. My name is Jeff Wanders, and I was the moderator tonight. And uh, so let's close with a prayer. And by Cross of Glory Tradition, the last one 
that arrived is the one to pray us out. So that's me? That's you. Okay. <laughs> all right. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for all the gifts you give us, Lord. God, we, we thank you for the gifts and the blessings. We take so much in our lives for granted from you, God. We thank you for the ability for us to have a conversation about various topics in this world. We know they're difficult topics, and we know that they can't be solved overnight. But we thank you for the gift of conversation and the open-mindedness of this group. And God, we just want you to know that we love you and that we pray for peace in this world. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and it will help you on your faith journey. Faith for All would like to thank Dennis Tenrakulu, Jennifer Berg, Barb Tasky, Jeff Wanderson, Todd Mazera, and Pastor Dana O'Brien for their participation and fantastic insights. As always, we are grateful to John Yazardo for making us sound good. Come back next week as we are starting Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us. Only on Sunday. We only say that on Sunday. Well, you're never. We. Yeah. Well, when you're there for prayers. On Sunday. I'm. I'm there all the time. Oh, you're there. You're just not up on the altar. Except for those times when you guys wait till I'm not there and then and then pray. Okay. There's the times where like. All right, we're standing there praying. Come on. Like initially, I thought. And we got to do it.